What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. We're coming to you from the DeMarini podcast nook here at Baseball America. And we want to remind you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. You get the season started right. Visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and de- full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. I'm going to time myself and see if that was the fastest read I've given that all year. I believe it was. But we do thank DeMarini for their sponsorship of the Baseball America podcast. And Aaron, I wanted to get through that quickly because we have a lot to talk about. College baseball officially really about a 18 or 17 good teams out there. And the back of that 17-18 team list changes every week. But we're, we're here in mid-April. We've got a month left in the regular season. And a couple trends have evinced themselves here. Number one, the Pac-10 is extremely strong. Yeah. And that was evidenced again this weekend by the fact that some uh, our number one team, UCLA, lost a series at home against an upstart Oregon Ducks ball club. Right. Number two... The Big 12 is terrible. We had one team from the Big 12 in the rankings at the beginning of the season. If we cut our rankings off sooner, we would have only had one, but right. we didn't have anybody to rank at 24, 25. We reluctantly ranked Oklahoma. Um, so there, there's that other trend. And number three, uh, the SEC really has – I think we've figured this out. There are four really strong teams in the SEC, and the rest of that league is uh, really a matchups. Uh, who's home, who's not home. Right. But there's, but there's four teams that have separated themselves at the top of that league. Let's take that first though, with the with the Pac-10, as Pac-10 teams passing number one off to each other here lately. But there's an Arizona State and UCLA, the two teams that started the year with those long unbeaten streaks. Uh, what was your take your takeaway from this weekend in the Pac-10? Well, I mean, I think you, you nailed it. I, I agree with all your points, first of all, that you just mentioned. Uh, but as far as the Pac-10 goes, uh, it's deep. That's the big. That's the big thing. Is it's uh, it's got to, it's got strong teams at the top with Arizona State and UCLA, and it's got great depth. And right now, you know, I think that uh, out of the ten teams in this league now, right, ten teams yeah, now. Yeah, ten team league. Gotta love the Pac-10. How about that? Ten teams. Um, I I think you've probably got, you know, eight 
that that you could envision being in regionals. I think you have eight regional quality teams. Right, and and, and, and probably and probably six will get in. Right, I, well, I think six will be lucky. I I think the record for a Pac-10 is is it's six teams. Yeah, but it I, is. And I think I think the league will be lucky to tie that record, even though I think. I actually think you may you might have nine regional caliber teams. I think Washington and Washington State yeah. on the right day have shown they can beat a, a good team. Uh, I think USC I, is the only team that hasn't. Yeah, I mean, and, and Washington has has been all right this year, but I don't think they have regional caliber talent. Right, I think you're right. I think they have. Uh, they've had some injury issues. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned in the weekend preview over the weekend. Uh, some real some real Friday. problems on the mound. Right, that that lack of depth probably hinders them. Yet they were competitive this sure. weekend against Cal, which have been red hot. So. They, they they pretty much have been competitive every week. I mean, right. you know, so I I'll give them that. But I think the other eight teams are, are actual regional caliber teams. And not right now. I mean, you talked about this today in our meeting, John. Oregon State is slipping, and they're they're going to have to do some work to get into regionals. They've now lost three out of their last four conference series. They're three and six in the league. Um, it's not good. It's not looking good for the Beavs. It it's not. And and you know. Th- one thing to lose a home series to UCLA, you lose a 16 inning game in there last week. You know that, that's okay. I mean that's that's a hiccup. It happens. Right. But, but the Stanford at home, you can't get swept by that team, especially since it, Stanford is talented, but they're very inconsistent. They're they, very young. And they've been playing bad. For they've been a playing while. very poorly. Um, and uh, Oregon State is a much more experienced team. And you're home. I mean, that's a horrible series loss for the Beavers. I mean, uh, you can paraphrase. There are a lot of quotes you can throw in there, and a lot of things I like to paraphrase. Uh, I, I do love my old pop culture references. But for Oregon State, really, you must protect this house. I know they're a Nike school and not a Under Armour school, but you must protect this house. And you can't lose five out of six games in conference yeah. at home. You must protect this house. Now they're going on the road at Washington State, which won a series at home against Arizona State. You're, you're at Oregon for a midweek game. You're at Cal. And you're playing Oregon at home, and Oregon has shown, and you talked to George Horton uh, last night, and you're going to have that in three strikes. We're not going to blow out Oregon here. But Oregon has shown they can play with anybody. So they have a series against Washington at home and a series against Arizona at home to finish the season where Arizona's struggled a little bit on the road this year, and they're very young. you got to think Oregon State will be favored there. They'll be favored at home against Oregon State. And they're at Arizona State. You're looking at their last five or six series, and they're like maybe going to be favored in three of them, maybe. And they're three and six in the league. They better get down to business. Yeah. They had, they are going to have to steal some series on the road uh, to to get to regionals. I don't care what their RPI right, right now. It's twenty seven according to BoydsWorld.com, and and that's great. But I think the other team that has been the like I said, we're going to talk about Oregon. You're going to write about them expan- extensively in three right. strikes. Let's talk a little bit about Cal. You talked to their pitching coach last weekend or last week, Dan Hubbs. Cal now 22 and 11 overall, but eight and four in the league. Only one game off the pace by Arizona State. What's been the key for the Bears here in, in terms of them having the kind of season that they're having? Well, I think it starts with the front line pitching. They've got, I think, a very strong weekend rotation. You've got two power right-handers on uh, on Friday and Sunday with Eric Johnson and, and Dixon Anderson, both guys who were up in the low 90s, maybe the mid 90s. Both guys were big-time recruits. I mean, Eric Johnson was a big recruit for them. Dixon Anderson. They, they've they've had talent before, but those yeah. two guys, I think. It does kind of set the tone for them. They're very strong on the weekends. Right, and Anderson didn't pitch this weekend. He had a, some some tightness, uh, but they, you know they're deep enough. They could throw Chris Petrini out there, and he's a, a solid uh, guy to, to sub in. And you know, on, on Saturdays, of course, Justin Jones has been terrific, the freshman left-hander. Um, he's so, Matt Perk, but he's, he's right. He's, he's not as close as it gets for another freshman pitcher in the country. Right. He now, certainly is he? not. He certainly is not. Does not have Perk's overpowering stuff. But he uh, he can really pitch. He's got great off-speed stuff. He's got very good command competitiveness. 
Um, the other guy, the other guy that I would mention, John, just uh, while we're talking about freshman pitchers, and Kurt Heyer from from oh, Arizona yeah. has Great been point. just dynamite as their Staying Friday starter. He had another yeah. double-digit strikeout game this week. Fourteen strikeouts uh, uh, this week for Heyer. I mean, he's he's something special too. Heyer, sorry, <laughs> I throw a little beat with him there. Uh, the other separating factor, really, for Cal is they hit. They and do. have a guy in Mark Canna who's, uh, I think, going to be a good draft, the first three rounds of the of the draft type of guy, more like a third round, second or third round type of guy. Yeah. And then they have a sophomore catcher in Chad Chris who's having a big time year, hitting 365 with some power, uh, leading the team with six home runs. So they have some athleticism in the middle of the diamond with Simeon and Gwynn. They're not necessarily the most polished middle infielder, but they're they're athletic. They have some athleticism on this team uh, up the middle. They're they're pretty strong up the middle. They're not, uh, you know, 2008. When we went crazy with everybody up the middle and <laughs> the rankings up the middle, but they're they're pretty strong up the middle. In other words, I don't think either of us thinks Cal's going away. We don't think they're frauds. No, I think I think that they're they're probably uh, uh, you know I think they're a regional team is what I think they are. I don't think they're the the fifteenth best team in the country, which is where they are in our rankings right, right now. But that's what happens when all the teams ahead of you lose. How about Arizona? Do we think Arizona is a regional team? Do we think Arizona is a? I think Arizona is a regional team. I, again, I, I don't think that they're necessarily the seventeenth best team in the country. But both those teams. Somebody are, has to be ranked seventeenth. That's it. In I mean, fact, you could make the case, and in fact, I think you did make the case in the in the poll meeting, and you made it fairly well, that Texas right now might yeah. be the best team in the country. I, I do think that. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Longhorns here, because we really actually haven't talked a lot about them on the podcast. When we do, we talk about the pitching, but one thing I noticed this weekend is that they didn't just sweep Texas A&M, and they didn't just humiliate A&M with back-to-back shutouts in the last two games that were both at Olsen Field. They scored 22 runs in those games. And Kevin Keyes has gotten red hot, and Kevin Keyes has nine home runs now on the season, but seven of those, Aaron, have come a Big 12 play. So is that more a function of Kevin Keyes getting better? I guess really the question I'll put to you is Texas, number one in our preseason rankings, I, I can get on board that they might be the best team right now. Uh, is it more a function of them being the best team or the Big 12 just being that bad? Because we only had one Big yeah. 12 team ranked preseason, and we held our nose to have a second Big 12 team ranked this week. You know, the Big 12 is, is, is down. It's definitely down. Uh, but it is still the Big 12. It's not like the Big West in a down year, the, or Conference USA in a down year. Those, those leagues, There's a difference. There is a difference. You're right. And, and you know what? Uh, Texas has utterly annihilated the teams that I think are the three next best teams in the league. That's Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Kansas in some order. I think those are the three next best teams in that league. Right. And they, Texas it, has steamrolled them all. Yeah, Kansas, you want a common opponent, Kansas... Went down to LSU when they were healthy and won that series, and uh, Texas just annihilated Kansas. What was it, like Can- two weeks later, basically, right? And Kansas wasn't completely healthy uh, when they made that trip. They still had some injuries. So but they didn't have Thompson. That's right. You're right. They didn't have Thompson. So, you know, and, and they didn't have Luke Rid- Lee Ridnour either, but... Uh, uh, Everyone wants to call him Luke, don't Yeah, worry. yeah. <laughs> There's no shame in that. No, I mean, Texas, to me, is the best team in the country. No team is better at run prevention. Their pitching is ridiculous. It Opponents is are batting 216 against Texas. And I know it's not an advanced fielding metric, but they're fielding a 980 percentage. That's ridiculous, Aaron. They're, they don't give up hits, yep. and when the ball is hit to them, they make the play. They're That's exactly, John, they're exactly what we thought they would be in the preseason. They are as advertised. Um, and, and, you know, and, they, and they've hit, I think, as expected, they have started to hit better. I mean, they're not they're not going to be a dynamite offensive team, but they're a pretty good offensive team. I mean, they're 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 certainly good enough with their with their pitching and their defense. Right, they're good. Enough. In the league, they're they're much better. Uh, how about 24 home runs in 15 games yeah. in league play? So they're they're showing some power. And again, they've I got more power than a usual Texas team. 
I think the key to that is keys. But number two, Cameron Rupp still really hasn't hit his stride. Aaron. Yeah. And I, I think we both probably think at some point this year, Cameron Rupp's going to get hot. I agree. So, but but people at home might be asking, John, well, if you guys both think Texas is the best team in the country, why aren't they number one? Why are they number three? Well, my answer to that was that they were behind Arizona State to start the week, and I didn't think that they did anything that merited jumping them over Arizona State this week. I, I, just because you're, we think you're the best team in the country doesn't mean you even have the best resume. They do have seven losses. Uh, the strength of their resume compared to Arizona State's is they've played a lot more teams that were ranked when they played them. But you can throw in some good lo- good wins for Arizona State against teams that weren't ranked at the time, such as Oregon, Cal State, Fullerton. That makes the record look a lot closer. I just didn't think that this week, and with the phrase we throw around here a lot is poll mechanics, I didn't think in the mechanics of the, of, of the poll this week that we could jump Texas ahead of Arizona State. But push come to shove, who I, who, they play ten games in a neutral field. Who do I think wins? I think Texas probably wins six or seven of those games against yeah. Arizona State. And, that, and that's giving all the respect I can Arizona State. And, and that's, again, I think you have to respect Arizona State's season to this point, and that's why they're number one right. for me. And then, again, poll mechanics. I left Virginia at two ahead of uh, Texas. I thought they should be ahead because they won a, a series against a ranked team this weekend. And I think Virginia Tech's resume is a lot stronger than A&M's, just for example. Uh, if yeah. you're going to lose to somebody, you're going to lose to a first-round pick. I know Jesse Hahn didn't get the win in that game. But Virginia Tech, you're, you're, you're facing – you're having to go for a sweep against a guy who's throwing 92 to 96. Yep. That's a, little, that's a different animal than what you're doing when that's, that's A&M's Friday guy, you know, and Bear Lauer. Sure. I, I think Virginia Tech also just a little bit so – overall, it's a little bit better than A&M. So I, the thing – the argument against Virginia is they lost the midweek game to Virginia military, and VMI got swept this weekend by, by Liberty. Liberty. I think VMI – and that win against Virginia might be the worst thing that happened to VMI all year. Uh, but Virginia, getting back on task, uh, I thought Virginia's body of work again just as strong as Texas's, ten and five versus top twenty-five versus eight and one. I think the ACC is so much deeper yeah. than the Big Twelve. So really, it was my lack of respect for the Big Twelve circa two thousand ten. You know, this year's Big Twelve, I think, is just so down. It doesn't have really a, a big fig leaf. I kind of wonder. Uh, I really kind of wonder what how strong Texas really is. I think their twelve-game win streak might be more a function of the Big Twelve. I, I think Texas. maybe if you put Texas in the ACC or the Pac-10, maybe instead of winning 12 in a row, maybe they win 10 out of 12. But I still think I still think they pretty much dominate that stretch because I think they're really really good. And and uh, I I might have you know I think we had this discussion in the meeting today. Uh, I thought Texas because of of how hot they've been because of the win streak, uh, you could have had a, had a case to rank them higher. Uh, to, yeah. to jump them up to number one. Uh, I mean, last week we very nearly put Texas ahead of Arizona State at three and four. Right. I mean, it was, it was a toss really tight. It was so, really tight. I agree. Uh, you know, it could it could have gone either way. In the end, uh, uh, I think poll mechanics are fine. Arizona State was ahead, and Virginia. We don't usually drop a team that wins a, a, a series against a ranked team. So especially a weekend series. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. So that was that was a tough call. There's no doubt that was a tough call. And I mean, Georgia Tech at four. Uh, granted, Georgia Tech failed their biggest test, what was it, two weeks ago? Last week. Last week, losing that series at Virginia. Um, but they bounced back this week and just destroyed Clemson. Yep. Um, and Clemson, a team that has lost six, has lost 13 of its last 19, they fall all the way out of the rankings. Let's talk about the, the, the teams that fell out of the rankings, because yeah. there were plenty of those. Clemson falls out of the rankings. Ole Miss doesn't fall out of the rankings, but falls pretty far. I think we ended up with Ole Miss. 19. Where, yeah, 19 from uh, number 14. I guess we should actually – I should stop myself. Let's talk a little bit about the SEC here because we yeah. touched on that in the opening as well. The SEC with this fearsome foursome of Florida, LSU, Arkansas, South Carolina, 
again, out of those four teams, it's hard to argue against Arkansas right, right. now. But they I do agree. have that one series loss at LSU. So in a poll mechanics point of view, it's hard to rank them ahead of LSU. Yeah. LSU's it's just it's just hard to mess with the order of those teams when all of them won their series. And, right. You know, I think Florida, to me, feels like uh, it ha- maybe it, it should be behind those other teams. But Florida just keeps winning series. I mean, they're 7-1 right. in weekends. Um, Which is really again really impressive for a team that yeah. young to keep grinding like and that. And they played a lot of they played they played a tough schedule. I mean they also had a, a non conference series win at Miami. They basically play every weekend. They play I mean, every midweek. They play Florida State of teams like it seems I, like I know, yeah they played them four times now. now. So they're I mean they're one and three in those games. But uh, uh, you know and then they just won a road series at Kentucky. I mean how can you drop them necessarily? I I, I don't know. I mean it's it's hard to drop them. If you drop Florida, you know you you also got to move up LSU, South Carolina, Arkansas in, in a group, really. I think so. And I don't think you can drop Florida three spots for for winning a road series in, in conference. I agree. So I mean, like uh, sometimes it's not just how we think about those teams or their resumes. I do think poll mechanics sometimes get lost out in that, and you can argue that all you want. But I mean, like we did feel strongly about something last week. I don't think we should toss that out off to the side. Um, and we try not to be – I know we've had that happen a couple times this, this year where we've been maybe a little bit more reactionary than we want to be. Yeah. But then we've tried to avoid that as much as we can, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons that explains those SEC teams. Right now we have Ole Miss ranked as the fifth-best team in the SEC. Aaron, do you think they're the fifth-best team? Really? Just, uh, I, think I think so. I, they are almost just because of Drew Pomerantz. It's a difference maker. He is a difference maker. I know they lost that game this weekend, but you have to, let's give some credit to Ole Miss also this weekend. We've chided them – for their use of Drew Pomerantz over the years, where they've bringing him back on short rest or that kind of stuff. But this weekend, they took him out after seven innings of a scoreless game because he's thrown his pitches. Yep. And they took him out, and they lost that game. I think they sacrificed that game, in a way, to keep Drew Pomerantz healthy for the rest of the year. I think that, that deserves some credit. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, Ole Miss, to me, uh, I think at this point, it's, it's clear that they're not quite in that top group of the, the fearsome foursome, as you call them, yes. um, because the pitching after Pomeranz is a little questionable. And, it just and comes and goes. It does, and Aaron Barrett has had a had a really pretty good year by and large, but he's also had a couple of really rough outings, including this week. Uh, to me, I don't have a ton of confidence in him on a Saturday. He could give you a great start, but he might not. And there's, you know, I, I'd almost rather have a guy who's consistently good, right. not often as great. They have a lot of a couple guys like that. Yeah. David Goforth is another one who comes to mind, who's got big time stuff and a he big does. time arm, but just not a consistent performer. He's never really been a starter before, right. you know, and then they're trying He seems like he's more of like a Georgia Bulldog kind of pitcher. Yeah. This year's Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> sure. Throw hard and watch it go uh, just as hard uh, back the other way. The rest of the SEC, though, before behind those fearsome forces, I think I think Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Ole Miss are your next group. They're all 8-7 and seven in the league. Vanderbilt might have the best talent out of that group. It's a little bit younger. Ole Miss, I think, a little bit more veteran a little bit better resume, yeah. and then Auburn, you know, kind of scrapping, big series winning against LSU, but outside of that, they've lost three of their, even right. including that, they've lost three of their last four series. Yeah, that's, and you know, and Auburn, they I They haven't I, gotten swept, to their credit. That is that is certainly something in their favor, and they are 8-7 and seven in the league. Um, you know, the reason we, we ended up hitting them, honestly, this week, they did about what you'd think right. they, they should do. They went 2-2, two and two. they won one out of three on the road against Vanderbilt, a good team. That's what they should do, uh, but... That said, you know, you've lost three out of your last four series. I think as a rule this week, all the teams that lost three of their last four series, we knocked out of the That's poll. It. That's and that it. includes uh, Clemson, Oregon State, 
in, in Auburn. Yeah, and that, that's exactly why we dropped those teams. And Western Kentucky got swept at Florida Atlantic. Yeah. The Sun Belt has four pretty good teams. So but it's I think hard to get a handle on that conference. The teams that we thought were the best teams in that league were Western Kentucky and maybe Arkansas State, and they both got swept this week. I mean, from week to week, it, it changes who we think are the right. best teams, I think, anyway. I mean, it's, yeah, Arkansas State, uh, uh, the, the curse of the, curse of the uh, Aaron Fit under the radar once that's again. It. <laughs> Way to go, Tommy Raffo. Yeah. It's all your fault for picking up the phone and calling Aaron back. That's right. But uh, the rest of the SEC, the bottom of the SEC, Aaron, Georgia's not going to go to regionals. Mississippi State, probably not going to go to regionals. Can we rule them out? There's you know, five in the league. I I don't think they're going to go to regionals um, Ooh, because I I don't I don't Sorry, think guys. they've they've got the talent to go to regionals. Um, yeah, I agree. They they, they they want a must win series this weekend against against Tennessee. How about the fact that on the RPI on Boys World, Mississippi has a 40 RPI, Mississippi State has a 44 RPI, and Alabama, shockingly, is at 16. What is the explanation? Who's the ad wizard who came up with that one? The RPI is so flawed, I, I can't even begin to... to I, mean, yeah, I don't want to go down that road, but... The best uh, thing Alabama has done is they went on the road and won two out of three at College of Charleston, basically, right? Is that the best thing yeah, they've they, done? They won a series against Vanderbilt, didn't they? Yeah, at home. Yep. And they won a series at home against Auburn. But now they've lost... They've gotten swept twice in league play. Granted, it was at Arkansas and at LSU, but they're 5-10 in the league here, and... I mean, their RPIs as they're getting in, to me, they still have to play Mississippi State at home, at South Carolina, home against Florida, home against Ole Miss, at Tennessee. Uh, that, that's a touch-and-go team for regionals. Yeah, right I now think I think so. I mean, that they are the next uh, – Alabama or Kentucky, those two teams are your next most likely SEC teams to get regional bids. Even then, you're talking about eight at most. Is there any way that they're I think they nine could. I, I still think they could get nine, and and that's partly be, partly because Kentucky. college baseball is so mediocre after the, you know, and the whole group. We, as we keep talking about every week, we've got this this uh, this huge churn at the back of the rankings because because there just aren't that many consistent teams. I mean, it's hard to get the 64 teams without at least eight from the SEC, and and I think that uh, I think you probably will get nine unless some of these teams just fall apart. Yeah, see, Kentucky again. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not trying to bang on these teams. I don't feel don't feel good about pointing out their negatives. But like Kentucky's best series win is against Alabama, and you want to pick out single wins. They've lost four out of their five conference series. Right. But if you and if you want to go the single wins approach, where you guys are ignoring single wins, yeah, they do have single wins against San Diego, and they have a single win against Coastal Carolina. But so do you. And Virginia Tech as well. And Virginia Tech. I mean, does that mitigate the fact they lost to San Diego State? which has a terrible record, or the fact they lost to Murray State, or the fact they lost to Evansville, do those things not kind of cancel out those big wins? I, I don't see how they are uh, – I don't see how Kentucky can be considered as having a successful season right now. They're in conference. They've lost four out of those five conference series. And yet right now they're on, this, they're on, the, on track really um, yeah. to be a regional team yeah. if they can. They've got five series left. At Tennessee and at Georgia, as far as their, their road series are series where they should be able to at least win a game in each one. At Auburn, at Tennessee, If they're at a regional Georgia. team, they need to win the Tennessee series. They need to win the Georgia series. I for me, for me, I agree. And then in South Carolina and LSU at home, those are series they're probably going to lose. Those two teams, in my mind, have shown that they're way better than these other SEC teams. But and and, me, and let's not forget, John, that now Kentucky's without Alex Meyer for about right. a month with mono. So they're really basically they're they're right now they are without two guys they thought would be in their weekend rotation come from, from last August. 
obviously the James Paxton thing. But again, you can go back and forth on that one. But Meyer, that's a guy they had, and now they're without, and that's that's big. That's a big six foot nine <laughs> loss in their in their rotation. So to me, I guess my overarching point is, I think the SEC is a seven bid league. But I know they're going to get eight. I think Alabama and Kentucky are fighting for one spot. But I think you make a great point. In the vacuum of the rest of the country, yeah. they might get nine bids even though they really don't deserve it. But for me, I'd much rather see six Pac-10 teams oh, certainly. than nine SEC teams. Th- there's, I think both could happen. Um, I, I both could happen. You're right. I, this year, I'd rather see seven Pac-10 teams, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen either. Let's take a couple emails. Podcast at BaseballAmerica.com is the email address, and uh, I forgot to check the Facebook page, So, but you can send those questions into us next week. Usually in the morning I post, hey, we're doing the poll, and blah, blah, blah. I forgot to do that this week because I was engrossed in the poll, and then I was also engrossed in the minor league season, checking some, checking in on the, the organizations I do top 30s on. So it's, it's that time of year. We're juggling a lot of balls in the air. Um, Bo McDaniel want to know what college player you would want on the mound for your team and who you'd want in the box at the end of a game in a clutch situation as a hitter. What one pitcher, Aaron? I have a small feeling you might say Taylor Youngman. Um, I think for me, it's obviously going to be Bullet Bob Morey. <laughs> <laughs> Not really Virginia's Rob Morey, but you know the the actual answer might be Virginia's sophomore left-hander Danny Hulton. That sure, guy sure. may not be the best prospect, but he is like a metronome. He's so consistent. And he's a really good prospect too. He is right. He's not at the level of Taylor Youngman or, or right, Garrett Cole. Right. And Garrett Cole, about uh, about a month ago, I think I proclaimed Garrett Cole is the best pitcher in the country, and he's done nothing but walk a guy per inning since then. It seems. Like. Yeah. Who Who's your pitcher that you would choose there? You know, I mean, I might take Matty Ott if if it's Ooh, if it's one great know, choice. I mean, at the end of the game, that guy's fearless. He's pre- he's proven uh, proven championship closer. That's a great choice. We had a couple of weekend uh, uh, a couple of uh, our top closers though. We had uh, John Stilson come out of a game for Texas A and M with an apparent injury. And then Matty Ott didn't get hurt. They pitched, what, seven innings on Sunday? Yeah. It's kind of awesome. But how many sliders do we think Matty Ott right, threw seriously. in those seven innings? Probably a lot. And then what hitter, I have a feeling you're, uh, of who your hitter would be, but what one hitter would you choose? Uh, you know, it's. I think I, I might go with Christian Cologne. I mean, this is a guy that uh, is he's a great pure hitter, first of all. He's one of the best pure hitters in the country. But second of all, he's, uh, again, a proven winner, a guy who's proven himself in big spots. He yeah. did it with Team USA. He did it with Fullerton last year, although, you know, obviously their Omaha struggles were right. well documented. But he did it all year for them. He did. Uh, he's, he's a junior who, who, and plus he's, you know, He's not. He's not going to strike out in that spot. I feel like he's going to. He's going to put the bat on the ball. Too. You know, I think if I had to pick a guy right now, I might take Zach Cox. This yeah. week's right now, yeah. Spotlight, <laughs> who's just red hot, and he's doing it in the SEC. And he's, right. He's going to start to finish this year. He hit for average all year, and now he's throwing in some power too. I mean, hard to argue with Zach Cox. I think both I of agree. us think that Anthony Rendon is probably the best position player. Yes. But and uh, with a slight edge on Stephen Prosha, a little personal cheese ball joke there, but. Yeah, we do. Uh, I think right now, I, I think Cologne and Cox are both fine choices. And then Reggie, who's emailed us from Texas, uh, Reggie's down in Irving, he uh, had a long answer, a long question where some of the things have actually changed from when he wrote it. He's basically writing about Texas State, Rice, and Texas A&M as far as their regional chances. Um, that's the gist of what he's writing about. Rice is 26 in the RPI, and I think Aaron, we both feel Rice is going to win a week Conference USA, although East Carolina... Yeah. Still the bet of some scouts out there, uh, and still in the mix. East Carolina definitely playing better, despite suspending Dustin Harrington. I think both those teams will wind up finding their way in to regionals. 
both Rice and uh, Eastern East Carolina. Carolina. I don't know if anyone else in that league will. I mean, Tulane feels like they should be in, but they uh, every time it seems like they're about to go over the top, you know, they, they don't. Fall they, back they down. don't they, they're young. They're a younger. They're almost a younger, less talented version of of uh, Stanford. Yeah, Stanford has a lot of freshmen. Tulane, I actually more. like better on the mound. I mean, I think they're, they're more experienced on the mound anyway, a little more consistent on the mound. But it's a guy named Conrad Flynn, their Friday starter. Conrad Flynn, and uh, you know they've still got uh, the left-hander transfer from North Carolina, of course, a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of those guys out there. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt Pettiton. That's it. That's it. Um, but then Texas State. Do you feel like Texas State is a is a regional team? Yeah, I do. I, I think Texas State and Southeastern Louisiana are both regional caliber teams, and. Uh, that was a big series this weekend. Uh, you know, Southeastern Louisiana won it and, and found their way into our, our rankings uh, despite That's a three and two week. Them. That's right. We haven't even talked about the Southeastern Louisiana, which yeah. really they kind of announced themselves on the map earlier this year. When they went to Mississippi State and swept that series. Uh, they're actually third in the in the Southland Conference with Texas State and Northwestern State both right. there, and only a half game up on upstart Stephen F. Austin, which is like the Oregon of the Southland Conference. New program starting from scratch, coming into the league and doing well. That's a little bit of a stretch of a comp. But the analogy actually works. Sure. So. <laughs> That's all we'll say about that. Uh, what's what's Southeastern Louisiana's defining characteristic as a team, Aaron? Uh, you know, I just think they're gritty, and, and they're, they're, they're well coached. I like the job that uh, J.R. Teagues and those guys have done down there. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a team that's going to blow you away on talent. Um, you know, they... They they recruit guys who uh, who are hard nosed players with a chip on their shoulder and they play hard I and mean, that's what they do. I said that their bullpen had some depth if I recall also when you were on the weekend preview. Yeah. That they uh, they have they have enough arms to choose from and I know uh, necessarily overly rely on one guy, but like like say last year's Kansas State team where we thought they were just all about AJ Morris. Right. We didn't rank Kansas State this week as we wrap up the podcast. Um, really, I, I think that I lobbied so hard against the Big Twelve earlier in the mm-hmm. meeting. That that kept Kansas State out of the rankings, but I think other thing that kept them out, their midweek performance there, and their pitching just isn't that great, right? It's not, and and you know even on weekends their pitching is not that great. They they don't have a single guy who's a reliable workhorse innings eating starter on weekends, and uh, um, you know this week I think their pitching depth is the reason that they lost two midweek games at BYU. Otherwise, if you sweep Baylor. Usually you're in, and especially you're if you're nine and three in the league, second place. You should be in. Uh, we couldn't quite pull the trigger after they lost those two midweek games at BYU. It just didn't feel right. So I'd rather, I figured I'd rather reward Southeastern Louisiana, which won a series against Texas State, which I, I thought and, and maybe still think is the team to beat in the, in the Southland. Maybe now Southeastern Louisiana is the team to beat, even though they're in third place. Uh, right, by, but, by uh, a game, yeah. By very game. Crowd, I mean, very crowded standings there with Texas State, Northwestern State, Southeast Louisiana. And Stephen F. Austin, so, yeah. so, so uh, separated by one game in the loss column, which but is impressive. I, but in the end, I, I do think Texas State and Southeast Louisiana have a chance to be regional teams. It depends what happens in that conference tournament. I mean, if, if Sam Houston State does right. does what it always does and wins the thing as a sixth seed or whatever, right? Uh, that's going to be one less bid for somebody else because I don't think that conference gets three. Yeah, what kills me about that league is and, and leagues like that. Like, I would rather see in a year where it's hard to choose who's the best team in the Southland Conference, who's the best team in the Southern Conference. Well, I guess right now it's Citadel. But like uh, the, uh, the Sun Belt under league we talked about, I'd rather see those leagues get two or three bids than reward the ninth or eighth place team in the SEC. Even right. though I know the eighth and ninth best teams in the SEC could go to the Sun Belt and win that league, I know that. But that's all, you're comparing apples and oranges. I mean, 
the, the amount of the budgets of the teams in the, the eighth or ninth place team in the SEC is going to be is going to dwarf with the budget of the number one team in the Southland conferences with the Sun Belt. I would rather reward the teams that, in my opinion, when you don't have a clear favorite, you don't have a clear number one. I'd rather reward those other teams that are all in that mix in a league like that rather than say, yeah, ninth place in the SEC is good enough. Yeah. That's, but I think I'm different from the. I don't think that's how the committee does it. Oh, they certainly. actually are trying to get, in their mind, the best 64 teams. And, and I, at least I think they're consistent. The way they determine their six, the best teams, though, I think is kind of donkey by relying so heavily on the RPI. Not, uh, I think conference standings do have to take in there when you go 10 and 16 in your league or whatever. Ten, what was Oklahoma last year? 10 and 18? Oklahoma State. Uh, I guess my two years. Yeah, the, o- it was Oklahoma two years ago. They had a poor conference record. It was Oklahoma State last year. Uh, it was it was ugly. It is ugly. Which which side of that fence do you fall on? The best sixty four teams or? Uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I especially don't think that uh, a team that wins two out of its nine conference series, like Oklahoma State did last year, should be in regionals, and that's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, on its face, you can't reward a team that college baseball set up for weekends and you lose seven out of nine conference weekends. The schedule that you have no control over, that you can't game, and you fall flat on your face like that. It was just an absolute embarrassment. I, 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 obviously, I'm still not over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll see if the committee learns any lessons. I think the other uh, thing to watch is that this week, their deliberation is going to be more, as difficult as ever, Aaron, because we were not a team that we like after 15 teams pretty much every week this week. I know. So. How about how about the uh, UConn Huskies, John? Winners of 15 straight. I mean, I know that they swept Georgetown this week, so we didn't run them up too high. But, yeah. uh, but you know, I mean, UConn is for real. They've got talent, and I, I think that they're right now they've got a, a regional caliber resume. They're pretty good in the RPI, uh, and they're atop the, the Big East. So along with Rutgers, which is a, a little bit of a sleeper team, uh, somebody to keep an eye on. They played pretty well. And how about Pitt, which is you know 26 and nine, which has a series yeah. win against Louisville. Those four teams all have legit chances. I mean, I, I think I think Rutgers is at the back of that, though, aren't they? I mean, their RPI is at the back of that. I, I think it's it's comparable. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it is, but I know I, th- I think it's comparable. And Rutgers has actually has played some pretty good. Villanova was kind of a team that we games. thought was like the sleeper in that league, and now they keep getting run, <laughs> basically every yeah, weekend. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really think they were the sleeper. Uh, right, they, they got off to a good start that's it. against yeah. a soft schedule, but that's it. Uh, th- those four teams. I mean, you know, I think talent wise, Rutgers at the back of those four teams, but Rutgers keeps winning, and they Pittsburgh? won a head to head series against Pitt. Pittsburgh's at 42 in the RPI on Boys World. Rutgers is at 43. Uh, Connecticut, which I think we both think is the class of those teams, is at 31. Right. Um, so I guess and, really that, and that's after playing Georgetown. I mean, they were in the 20s before that. And then obviously Louisville is way up at four, and Louisville has that road series win at, at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, they've played a very difficult schedule, and they've they basically won all comers. Uh, they had the one series losses against two against Pittsburgh. Pitt. So is that a three-bid league? I, I think it is. I think it's a three-bid league. And when you look at the – I would, again, I'd rather see three or maybe even four Big East teams get in if they're worthy than the ninth-place SEC team. But uh, we could have that discussion all the time. And if you have thoughts on that – you can send those in to us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Aaron, we'll go ahead and wrap up. We want to remind everyone that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game, introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, so get the season started right and visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash Demo House. For Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.